Hey there, Twitter. It's Friday and you've made it. Today we have a great show for you. Cynthia Bailey from the Real Housewives of Atlanta is here and 2020 presidential candidate Julian Castro is joining us as well. So you stick right there and we'll see you on the timeline. Good morning, Twitter. I'm Alex Berg, he's Zach Stafford, and you are watching AM to DM. Oh, and I'm gonna start off from a, with a tweet from Miss Alex Berg. Oh, hello. I stayed up late to see Tina, the Tina Turner musical, but let me tell you, so worth it. Brought my mom, who's been to Tina concerts in real life, and we were dancing at the end. Adrian L. Warren absolutely crushes it. Extra kudos to the performers for bringing their A game after a pause due to injury. Whew, I'm still like so shaking. I was also there too. Yes. Not just Alex. We didn't sit next to each other. We sat very close to each yeah. other. But I could feel her excitement the whole time, especially your mom's. Uh, my mom was proceeded to tell just about everyone sitting around us or in earshot that she had been to multiple Tina Turner concerts and that she was very excited for the show, which was very sweet. But I have That's to say, sweet. this show was absolutely incredible. Adrian Warren, who plays Tina, uh, you know, so many times uh, every single week, just mm -hmm. incredible. It's amazing. And especially because the whole show is built around all of her songs. So that's how you move through the plot. And if you love Tina Turner, you just don't want it to end. I could have sat there again and again and again. It is incredible. And also just an, an incredible reminder of the path that she's been on and the fight that she has had and how it's not always been easy for her. And her comeback happened in her 40s. Come on. Wild. You know what the other things, it, it reminded me that Tina Turner had amazing fashion, especially in I the thought 80s. about you the whole time. And I feel like, so I would wear exactly the outfit that she wore, which is like that black leather <laughs> dress with a denim jacket on top, but um, so amazing. And like, it's true. She just had this unbelievable comeback uh, mm -hmm. after really being like used for years and years. And just- It's amazing. I stand, I stand. When there's a moment where she pulls out the iconic like denim jacket and leather dress, yeah. and it's like, Augsburg has that. <laughs> I was like, her Tina, get your closet. Uh, can we also talk about little Tina? Oh my God. The, the actor who played her as a child, just also like incredible. Like range, vocals, yeah. like really, you know, next huge star, I think mm -hmm. is gonna be amazing. Well, let's take it to the timeline. What is the best Tina song ever of all time? Treat us using the hashtag AM to DM. What, what's yours? My favorite is definitely uh, River Deep Mountain High. Uh, so, yes, the yeah. Spectre version. Yeah, mine's gonna be Proud Mary. I mean, also so like, good, but like do, easily do, could do, be like, do, do, what's love got to do with it? Just all of them, simply the oh best. My God. I could go on. This would just be me reciting a list of amazing Tina Turner I songs, just wanna so. cry thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we gotta move on from Tina Turner, even though we could talk about her all day. Well, here's a treat from CBS Los Angeles. Two students confirmed dead in Saga's high school shooting, a 14-year-old boy and 16-year-old girl. Three more students wounded, suspecting grave condition with self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol found at scene. Here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. Republicans blocked a gun control bill during another school shooting. Joining us now to discuss is BuzzFeed News Director of Breaking News, Tom Namako. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. So Tom, what details about the incident yesterday do we know for sure today? You went over quite a few of them. I mean, what we know for sure is this. It's another mass shooting at another school in America. It's another set of students who had to barricade themselves inside their classrooms. It's another set of students who come out afterwards and are furious about what's going on. It's another young man who got a gun and just indiscriminately opened fire on his classmates. I mean, that's what the bottom line is. Mm -hmm. mm. So uh, have police said anything about the potential motive uh, that the assailant had? So the FBI yesterday said that they don't have any kind of ideology, they don't have any kind of motive uh, at this point behind, behind what happened. Um, there's very little known about the shooter. There's some stuff going around about his family history and his dad recently died and it was, it was the shooter's birthday uh, on the day of the shooting, but there's not really substantial known. 
So we mentioned two students have died from this incident. How are the rest doing today? So the, um, the three other students um, are in, from what I understand, good condition. One may have already been released, I think the AP is reporting. Um, so it seems like they are doing, they're, they're doing well. The shooter himself is in grave condition. Mm. Now, uh, Republicans uh, blocked a gun control measure yesterday, actually, as this was all happening. Um, what was that bill, and uh, how have people been responding to that? So Chris Murphy put up a universal uh, background check bill, and it's, he's done this several times. And uh, while he was, you know, while this was happening, um, he was notified after he left um, the Senate floor that the shooting had actually happened. Mm. And there was a senator that was given a note yesterday while on the Senate floor talking about gun violence. Talk to us about that moment. So Richard Blumenthal was giving a speech as sort of part of this, uh, I guess maybe as part of the debate over the bill that Chris Murphy had put up. And uh, while Blumenthal was giving the speech, uh, you saw just, you know, it was, it was a really like stark image. Um, an aide just comes over, hands him a white piece of paper, and, you know, he's going through his speech, he reads what's on the paper and looks up and is just like, as I speak and as I say this, there's been yet another school shooting in Santa Clarita. Um, and he essentially said, if we don't do something about this, everyone is complicit in what's going on. I mean, that was just uh, such an unbelievable, I mean, a, a believable, unbelievable yeah. moment in yeah. that way. It's like we have finally reached the point where this is now uh, happening concurrently. Yeah. And I actually want to get to something that you tweeted, which is there's no real benefit of being first in this situation. Aggressively pursue the news, yes, but think before you air it. Someone in these examples is wrong. Um, how does misinformation during breaking news potentially hurt people? There's a couple of ways to think about this. The, what I was tweeting about there was between the initial reports that there's a shooting and when you've got this kind of first like news conference where like authorities are effectively signaling, we have some idea of what has happened here and now we're gonna tell you what's going on. There is a, like a rush to you know say, there are this many people injured, there's this many people dead, there's, you know, the shooter is alive, the shooter is dead. And some of that information yesterday was wrong. Um, you know, the details themselves are five injured, are six injured, they're they important, we're talking about human lives, but we're also we're at a time where, you know, we have to, we have to be right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting that initial number correct um, is, I think is important just for, you know, the way the, the perception of the media goes. Mm. Well, Tom, you lead the breaking news team here at BuzzFeed News, and we'd love to get some tips from you on how to handle not spreading disinformation when there is breaking news incidents like this occurring. I, I think the, the basic supply, just, you know, find a, a news outlet that you know to be credible, um, stick with it, listen to authorities. Sometimes authorities, you know, they are dealing with legitimately very, very complicated and fast-moving situations. And so they may not always have exactly the right information at the moments. So, you know, look for the times where they are going to get up and kind of like present the information in a very organized way. That's when it seems like they have, you know, their their best knowledge to share. Um, and essentially, you know, just give it some, sometimes it just needs a couple of minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it seems that uh, these kinds of shootings now happen so regularly that I find myself as a journalist, I'm like, again, uh, you know, so what now? Um, what will your team be focusing on reporting out over the next couple of days? So today what we're trying to do is focus on the victims um, and the people who were injured uh, or killed in the shooting. Um, you know, trying to figure out who those people were, uh, tell their stories and really put a focus on them. We will also try to report out what was going on with the shooter. Um, and see if we can find any, you know, any uh, news or, or information there that might be relevant to a broader audience. All right. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today, and good luck with the reporting. Thank you. All right. More AM to DM is up next, so stick around.
Welcome back, y'all. It's now time for Fire Tweets, the hottest part of the show. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I hate how I get older and I love a pun. Like, like as a young person, it's like, oh, puns are not good. But now, as a, a growing person. I support you. I mean, probably we tee up Fire Tweets virtually the, the same, same almost every Hottest time. part of the and show. Yet, we're still getting a <laughs> kick out of it, so. I get so much joy out of it. But anyway, let's, okay. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Philip Henry, you tweeted. Taking on or wronging, Taylor Swift has worked out for precisely zero men, and yet they keep lining up and trying it like they're gonna be the lucky one. Ooh, this is obviously referring to the Scooter Braun controversy that we saw really take to a I mean, whole new yeah. level last night when Taylor posted to Tumblr and then took it to Twitter that they are allegedly not letting her sing her own songs or even use it in a Netflix documentary, and she has said, Swifties, rise up, we're going to war. Yeah, and they have denied that this is Big Machine's like, girl, what are you talking about? It is very, uh, like, they said, she said, da-da-da, like, very disturbing. Her, her allegations are, you know, obviously very disturbing. So, it's messy, yeah. but the yeah. point here is that Taylor Swift will do anything to get back at a man. So, Scooter, watch your loins, girl. Watch your loins. Well, let's take it to the timeline. What do you think of the Taylor Swift-Scooter Braun controversy? Tweet us using the hashtag am to dm All right, here's a tweet from Megan. Now that Instagram likes are gone, we can focus on everyone's real measure of worth. How funny is your Twitter? This Mine's not very funny. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I'm not funny on Twitter, sorry. Are we not good, are we not good people? We have low worth? No, but this is the thing, is that like, tw- some people are so funny on yeah. Twitter, but I am on Twitter to just be real and like, deal with shitty news. Talk hat content, yeah. Also that. <laughs> Shay, you tweeted, me canceling all my social plans to stay in and watch Disney Plus. That's me, you know, minding my own I, I sadly have plans this weekend because we have to review a bunch of new shows and things coming up, but I do wish I could go at home and just watch, you know, the rest of Lady and the Tramp or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or Gargoyles is on, you know, maybe I'll wake up Saturday morning and watch cartoons. Oh my, I don't know. I don't know if I'm into that. Girl, <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll have a little, life. a little mimosa with my cartoons. All right, Rochelle, you treat it. I work on my juggling skills by not grabbing a basket since I only need one item, but end up balancing 11 grocery items in line at the checkout. I have absolutely done this and like your arms hurt by the end. Mm -hmm. Or I've gotten a basket thinking, oh, I only need a couple of things. And then I'm like dragging it, you know. (laughs) Caring. You got the LaCroix like this. (laughs) No, exactly. Yeah. Oh, such a bad call. Okay, treat of the day. Yep. Comes from Man With A Plan. It's November. Don't ask me for shit. I love hey, this. men, why am I just hearing this term today? I, I know. This is my mantra. I want to wear a shirt that says, don't ask me shit. <laughs> it's but November. it's November on the front of a shirt and the rest yeah. of that on the back of a shirt. Hey, you know, I'm down. Taking yeah. care. It's called self-care, y'all. Love self-care. It. Well, more Empty DM is up next. While we have been inundated by news about the impeachment hearings, which are underway right now, 2020 candidates are still on the road. Joining us on the phone is Democratic candidate and former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Julian Castro. Welcome. Great to be with you all. So we want to jump right in to a story that is top of mind. Um, Yesterday, of course, there was yet another school shooting in Santa Clarita, California. Uh, It happened as the Senate was debating a bill for background checks that Republicans then blocked. Um, What is it going to take for lawmakers to finally do something? Well, you know, every time we have one of these shootings, it's just a huge reminder of how short our legislators have fallen, especially in Washington, D.C., and particularly Republicans that have just steadfastly refused to even deal with common-sense gun safety legislation. 
Um, but I will say, you know, one of the most poignant moments of the last few months was after the incident in Dayton um, and the governor of Ohio stood up to speak to people in Dayton and the crowd of Republicans, Democrats, people from different backgrounds started chanting, do something, do something, do something. You know, I've been traveling all over the country. You know, I've been to almost 30 states. And I can tell you that there is a strong, strong level of support of people from people of different walks of life to get common sense gun safety legislation done. So the answer to that is that in these midterm elections, people need to vote with their beliefs. They need to make it clear to folks running in both the Republican and Democratic primaries and then in the general election that they want common sense gun safety legislation done. And that's the best way, I think, the best hope for actually getting something done in early 2021. Mm. Well, you said in a fundraising email recently, uh, to quote you, if I can't make it to the next debate stage, we cannot sustain a campaign that can make it to Iowa in February. You've not qualified for next week's debate, yet you're still campaigning. Has anything changed? Yeah, what changed is that, you know, when we put that out about three or four weeks ago, afterward we saw a tremendous outpouring of support from people across the country, you know, giving their $5, $10, um, you know, $15 to the campaign to help us keep going because I think they've recognized that, you know, our campaign has been different from the other campaigns. I've been lifting up the voices of the most vulnerable in our nation, saying that, you know, as Democrats, we need to focus on the middle class and what we're going to do to improve their lives, and I have, but we also can't forget about the poor because somewhere along the way in the last three decades, we forgot to talk about the poor and to focus on their needs. Uh, I think people have seen that I haven't been afraid to take on some of the funniest issues like immigration. You know, I didn't wait months and months to release an immigration plan. I did that at the very beginning. I talked about tackling police uh, brutality. Just recently, I was in Iowa, and I said, look, going forward, if we're serious about electoral reform and making sure that the voices of everybody are heard, then it doesn't make sense to start off our presidential nominating process in two states that hardly have any African-Americans or people of color in them. You know, no other candidate has been willing to touch that. But throughout this campaign, my voice has been very clear uh, and offering a different vision for America. And so right now we are trying to go on, um, you know, and so far so good. Well, one of the biggest ways you've been able to fundraise in the past is due to these debate stages where you've seen a rise in donors. So how do you plan to keep going on if you do not have the debate stages to continue to drive those donor donations? And is there any way in which you're considering dropping out now that that money may not be coming? Now, you know, we're, we're working ahead. Uh, fortunately, people, uh, like I said, have, you know, uh, I have, I think the first or second highest level of small dollar contributions. I haven't been taking any money from PACs or federal lobbyists or big oil and gas executives, but people have been giving their $5, $10, $20, whatever it is. I think we've averaged $20 has been our average contribution throughout the life of the campaign. You're right that, of course, it matters to fundraising to be on that debate stage, but uh, I, I believe that you know we can be creative. Um, we can speak to issues in a powerful way and about a 
positive vision for the future of the country. And it's resonating. And especially I see out there with young people, like more and more young people are finding the campaign. And once they find the campaign, they're committed to it. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I, we still have 10 weeks until the Iowa caucus. And today, 10 weeks is like 10 lifetimes in politics. So I believe that it's worth, um, you know, offering this vision for the future of our country that is inclusive, where everyone counts, and fighting for something that we believe in. And that's what I'm going to try and do. All right. So does that mean you're going to be staying in the race until Iowa to get your chance at the caucus? Yeah, that's what I'm fighting for. Well, moments ago, uh, you mentioned that you uh, have critiqued the primary process. And in a CBS interview, you said that, quote, we can't say to black women, oh, thank you, thank you. You are the ones empowering our victories in places like Alabama and in 2018. And then turn around and start our nominating contest in the two states that have barely any black people in them. Um, you were, of course, referring to the New Hampshire primary and the Iowa caucuses there. Um, so how do you think the primaries need to be restructured? Uh, I actually believe the way that should be done is that people from around the country who are part of the Democratic National Committee process should come together and they should look at a number of different factors, how representative a state is of the diversity of the country and, and the Democratic Party, of course. But also, if you think about it, in this process, we should put our, our, our priorities where our values are. For instance, if we say as Democrats that we don't believe in suppressing votes, that we believe in as much access as possible in terms of early voting, absentee voting, um, same-day registration, you really should take a look at these states and do an analysis based on how reflective they are of the diversity of the country, but also how much has a state adopted these different ways of opening up the franchise and then rank them, you know, rank them and from there, I think you have a, a process that people can believe in and that reflects our values. And every few years, I think you're going to have changes to that as state laws change and they open up the franchise, you know, make it better and better. You give them an, an incentive to do that. And you can also rotate, right, to give other states a chance over the years. One of my critiques is that Iowa has had the caucus since 1972. We're a very different country than we were in 1972. We're a very different Democratic Party than we were in 1972. And I think that it's time that other states had a chance. You said you're going to stick it out for the Iowa caucuses. Are you worried at all about pissing anybody off uh, in that state um, just with your remarks about the primaries and caucuses? <laughs> well, if I was, I think I already crossed <laughs> that bridge, right? Uh, now, look, I think anybody that covers politics will tell you that this, unfortunately, I say unfortunately because... To me, it's so weird that this is considered, you know, saying this is considered more taboo than, you know, embracing some great policy, but that seems out there, you know. I mean, you'll find more people talking about Medicare for all than you will people talking about, hey, you know, it, we, need to, we need to change this nominating process from Iowa and New Hampshire. You know, more people willing to talk about the first than the second. I, I think that even a lot of Iowans and people in New Hampshire recognize that we need a change. In fact, there's a editorial out of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, their editorial board today, that says, yeah, he's right. We do need to change this process. It doesn't reflect the country. And the caucus itself makes it hard for people with disabilities, you know, uh, single parents or people that have to work at 
7 o'clock on a weeknight, and that's the only time that you can vote. There's no absentee voting, no other shot that you have to vote. It just doesn't make any sense on, on different levels. Mm-hmm. Well, switching gears a bit, in 2016, you were on the short list to be Hillary Clinton's vice presidential pick. You and Senator Elizabeth Warren are reportedly friends today. Uh, so if she approached you to join her ticket, would you? Oh, no, I'm focused on running for president, and that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I um, uh, you know, got in this race because I have a strong vision for the future of the country. And, you know, I have my head down along with my campaign team working toward that. And um, if for whatever, for whatever reason that doesn't work out, what I am going to do is support the Democratic nominee. Because above everything else, the number one thing that we have to do is replace Donald Trump. And that's what I will do if I'm not the nominee. I will support the nominee and defeat Donald Trump in any way that I can. Mm. But Mr. Castro, why do you think people are so obsessed with this idea of you being a vice presidential pick? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, in terms of I'm running for president, not vice president. And uh, if you look at my experience, I have some of the strongest experience in the field because I'm one of the few folks that has strong executive experience. You know, if you're president, that's what you are. You're an executive. And I was a federal executive as a cabinet member in Obama's cabinet. And I served as mayor of the seventh largest city in our country, San Antonio. So, you know, uh, I had the experience to be president. I've laid out a strong, compelling, positive vision for the future. And I could beat Donald Trump, go back and get the votes in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, and also compete very strongly in places like Florida, Arizona, and my home state of Texas. Now, uh, an investigation uh, published earlier this week from the Southern Poverty Law Center found emails in which Trump senior advisor Stephen Miller pushed white nationalist and racist stories to Breitbart in the run-up to the 2016 election. Do you think he should resign? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he never should have been in that position in the first place. Uh, the xenophobia, the racism, you know, the otherization of people of different backgrounds just because they don't look like him. You know, the Muslim, they're at the very beginning, starting with the Muslim ban, uh, everything that they've done to treat children cruelly and separate them from their parents at the border. You know, these children that some of them that are going to be traumatized for a lifetime, a few of them that still haven't been reunited with their parents. All of this is the agenda of Stephen Miller, and it's a, it's a white nationalist neo-Nazi agenda that has no place uh, making policy for our country. I wish he would resign. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Frankly, I think that Donald Trump believes in him. He trusts him. He likes him. And that's why we need to get rid of Donald Trump, among many reasons. Well, Rep- Republicans haven't uh, spoken out uh, about this investigation and the content of the emails. So why do you think that is? You know, I, I think that a lot of them are afraid of this president because the president is popular with their base. And as they head toward the filing period in all of these different congressional districts and in the states where somebody could challenge them in a primary, right now they're going to be super supportive of this president, uh, you know, especially now because they don't want to get a primary challenger and somebody that they're afraid could beat them in the Republican primary. So. I have no doubt that there are a lot of those Republicans that are better than they're looking right now in terms of better people. They understand that this is not right. 
They just don't have the courage to speak up because they don't want to lose their job. The thing is, though, that our country deserves people that have more courage than that. And so I hope that some of them will speak out. All right. Well, we have one last question before we let you go. And as the decade winds down, we have been breaking down the best of the decade. And today we're talking about the most influential celebrity of the decade. Who do you think is the most influential celebrity of the decade, in your opinion? Wow, that's hard. Probably Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce! Yes, okay! comes to my mind, you know, right away, Beyonce. Wow, yay. I mean, I think in, in uh, culture and obviously music. Yeah, I'd say Beyonce. All right, going okay. after that Beyonce voting block. All right. Well, Secretary Castro, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, take care, y'all. There. All right, up next, Sylvia is sitting down with Cynthia Bailey from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Ooh, can't wait. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> the, we are only a couple episodes into season 12 of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, and it's already given us hella drama. Here to, with me now to break it all down is star of the show, Cynthia Bailey. Hi. Hey! <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm good. Still standing. Still standing. <laughs> still standing. Still strong. Despite it all. So yes. BravoCon is this weekend, which is what you're here for. Yes, it is. Super excited. I'm yes. actually going to be moderating the Real Housewives of Atlanta panel oh tomorrow with you guys. Oh, so good. it's going to be a good time. We'll give them a little, it's a little warm up. I yes, feel like. Yes, absolutely. Dude, I think BravoCon is such an interesting idea. What do you think about it? Oh, I love it. I mean, Bravo is like so cool, and we have so many cool. Bravo liberties and for us it's a special treat because we rarely are all together uh-huh. to even like you know meet each other so yeah. I'm excited to meet some of my favorites from some of the different shows who are some of your favorites uh, well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ones that I like. Okay, I, mean, okay. I don't want to say too much. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into this season because yes. I'm an avid watcher and I've been enjoying the season thus far. And one of my favorite moments includes the moment with you and Noelle. When you. she, you know, she recently, you guys had an important conversation where mm-hmm. she came out about being sexually fluid. Yes. Were you surprised? But I was surprised when she initially told me, yes. You know, as a parent, you always think that you would know. Like, Noel and I are super close. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I would know. I yeah. know everything that's going on with Noel. And I did know. And when she told me, of course, you know, I was fine with it. You know, I don't really, doesn't really matter to me what her sexuality is. Right. I just love that. You know, my goal with Noelle is to be the kind of parent that she feels like she can, you know, tell me anything. Mm -hmm. She can come to me and talk to me and, you know, be in a safe space to do that. Yeah. And and she did. So, yeah. Yeah, that really Um, translated. Yeah. And um, Mixing with Manny tweeted about the moment, Cynthia Bailey is winning motherhood right now. There are so (laughs) many queer youth that would have benefited from having parents like her who just supported her daughter so would love whom she loves. I oh, think that's thank just you. I think I think that's part of it because I, when I was watching it, I actually realized I don't remember that many examples of seeing a black woman with her black daughter mm-hmm. having this conversation and it just being nor like okay, sure. Yeah. And not anything well, I mean, for me, I mean, I didn't even feel comfortable talking to my mom about sex, right. let alone sexuality. Right. Like, <laughs> if I was not straight, so uh, yeah, times have changed. Yeah. And like Noel said, you know, her generation, these kids, they don't want to be put in a box. And yeah. love is love. Yeah. Well, um, moving over a little bit to your current situation with fellow housewife Nene, mm-hmm. who has not been on the show yet this season, interestingly enough. Um, you guys have had a 
Uh, you guys had a rift because of what happened last season. Do you think there's any valid points to why her anger is there? Or do you think it's, you know, hard for you to see the other side? Um, I, I get, like, looking back how it looked, mm-hmm. why she would be upset. I don't think it was big enough for us to fall out over it and yeah. be, you know, the drama that that it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely felt like it was something that we could work through. Yeah. Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a bigger moment than I thought it was going to be. But, um, you know, we, we addressed it season 12. Mm-hmm. And I can just tell you, you know, we were in a really dark place at the reunion. Uh, I can't say that we are back to where we used to be because we're not. I don't know, honestly, if we will ever be back to the way that we were. But I'm in a better place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like she's in a better place, but it's not like it used to be. Yeah. I mean, I noticed on Watch What Happens Live recently, you said, despite everything I've been through with Nene, I still have love for her. I hope we can at least get to a respectful place. Do you feel like, what does that respectful place look like for you? Do you just want to be able to, like, kick in and have fun when you guys have your scenes together and take the trips? Or what does that look like for you? Uh, what that looks like for me is us being able to coexist in the same circles. And when we see each other, it's love. And, you know, regardless of how, you know, close we are, you know, we, we are still a part of a sisterhood. Yeah. You know? We're in the same circle. Yeah. And uh, also a part of that respect is, you know, just wishing me well, you know, mm-hmm. and not really, you know, dragging each other in the press. Yeah. Like, that's not really, you know, when you're friends with someone and you guys decide to move on, like, just for, you know, just out of respect for the friendship that you did have, mm-hmm. like, you know, let me live. Yeah. Let me live my life. Yeah. Be happy for me, even if you're not directly a part of it right yeah. now. Because that's how I feel for her. I'm ecstatic for her. Yeah. And I'm so happy that Greg is doing better yes. and she's, you know, doing all these great things. Like, I silently root for her. I really do. And when mm-hmm. I do see her, I always, you know, try to say hello and, you know, have a good time. Yeah. Well, speaking of well wishes, you are newly engaged. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's, I'm having a hard time seeing here with the glare that this ring is giving me. Thank you. Um, so congratulations. Thank it hasn't you. happened yet on the show. We're still waiting to see that moment. Yes. Um, are you hope? Are you excited for this process to play out on camera, or how do you feel about planning the wedding on on the show? Well, I mean, planning a wedding on or off camera is is a lot of work. Yes, it's a big deal. This is my second wedding. Uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm in just such a different space in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have a lot of things. I haven't decided on a lot of things yet. Like, I don't know if it's going to be big or small. I know I have a date, 10, 10, 20. Oh, 10, 10, 20. Which is, I'm obsessed with my date because Uh if, you know, put it together, it's 2020. Yes. And, like, 2020 vision is perfect. Yes. And Mike and I are perfect. No, no, no. We actually, our mantra is, we're not perfect, but we're perfect for each other. So oh, that whole, tw- isn't that working? You, you feel how we worked that out? I feel how you worked that and out. And I actually have to thank Candy Burst, Tucker, okay, because Candy. she's going to, you know, let me know. She's going to hit me up and be like, I'm the one that helped you guys with that date. <laughs> I knew I wanted it in November. Okay. And we were actually hanging out. We were on a trip in Greece, and she was like, I got the perfect date. She was like, 10, 10, 20, 20, 20. And I was like, oh, my God. And that's, that's it. I, I love, I love a, like, numeric yes. Numerology, like, like it all, absolutely. For your marriage, I'm it's here good. For it. I'm putting it out there. You know what? It's like, <laughs> like I said, we're not perfect, but we're perfect for, for each, each other. other. I love that. Thank Have you. Have you thought of your wedding list or guest list? Will all the housewives be invited? Well, we just have to see. Uh, <laughs> what happens at the reunion? <laughs> we're only like two episodes in. 
I have to watch the rest of the season. Okay, okay, and okay. And see what happens at the reunion. And if everybody is still in at least a decent place, of course. Now, more than likely, um, you know, they'll be there. Uh, I don't know about being bridesmaids or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I actually want to have bridesmaids. That's mm. one of the things that Mike and I are going back and forth about. But he wants groomsmen. He does. And he has a lot of, you know, friends. So yeah. he wants to, like, like, six or seven groomsmen. And I'm like, I don't know if I even have six or seven friends left. <laughs> I'm like trying to mend old relationships and you know I have new relationships that are blossoming like right. I'm really in a great place with most of the women on the show and I, yeah. I love that you you are actually have been now on the show you and Nina are the longest running housewives still on the show I believe right uh, I think Candy as well Candy, I came on, she, I've been on for 10 years 10 years which 10 is, years consistently a whole decade yeah which is a big deal which is deal. crazy how many seasons do you feel like you have left in you, do you uh, as many as uh, Bravo wants to give me okay so you're not <laughs> Right, right, keep living it out. I don't know. Mike's trying to get you out there to L.A. Well, yeah, they have a Housewife franchise out there as well. Yes. I would you know, love I'm, to see you on I'm enjoying hills. this platform. You know, for me, it's just been a great ride. You know, yeah. for business, it's been amazing. And, you know, just even personally, like, I'm not the same person that I was when I came on this show 10 years ago. Like, I'm... You know, I've involved in so many ways. You know, I've had so many incredible opportunities because of the show. And uh, it's it's good. I really feel like I'm making the most of it. Yeah. And, you know, we've like you said, we've seen you grow and go through a bunch of mm-hmm. journeys. And somebody who we would be remiss not to talk about a little bit is Peter, mm-hmm. who has been in the news a bit about Bar One. And he's opened a new one in Miami and yes. all these other things. Do you believe in him as a businessman? Oh, I definitely believe in him as a businessman. I think Peter has amazing vision, without mm-hmm. question. Um, he's, he's a great businessman. Yeah. I really think it's so amazing, like, the relationships you're able to keep everybody. Because you and Leon, low-key, are one of my favorite <laughs> parents. It's like, just seeing you guys co-parent, I think Thank that's you. such a healthy example to see. I think as the other housewives becomes mothers, I feel like yes. that's good. You'll be able to advise them there as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love um, uh, all my little nieces uh, running around. It's like kids everywhere now. <laughs> it's, it's a very crazy. fertile season. Like, this is the first time <laughs> in my life where I actually am like, should I have a baby as well? Like, <laughs> these babies are so cute. My, listen, I mean, auntie said that you could babysit I know. all of uh, at Lake Bailey. <laughs> I know, exactly. We'll see, we'll see. Well, the Real Housewives of Atlanta cast have had some iconic lines throughout the 12 seasons. So I want to play a game of... Who said that? 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 I say it all the time and I always say and I always joke with Portia anytime Mike <laughs> says it a lot as, as well if Mike and I are about to like get into it have an argument I'll be like wrong road wrong road and I say, I say it to Portia all the time too it's like that's one of my favorites okay so how the game is gonna work is okay. I'm going to say the quote and you're going to tell me who said that, who said that? Okay. okay you ready yep all right so the first quote is, Everybody's, every day somebody thinks I'm Beyonce. Kenya Morgale, <laughs> my girl, Beyonce. Beyonce, she was here last week and definitely giving us the Beyonce vibe oh, yes. for sure. Oh, always, always. <laughs> are you, she was, you know, last week she was here talking about her own marriage. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you hoping her and her husband work it out? I'm rooting, I'm rooting for Kenya and Mark. Uh, however, you know, at the end of the day, Kenya is my girl. I just want her to be happy. Yeah. Whatever's going to lead to happy is what I want um, her to do. That's what's up. Okay. Next one. Go home wig, goodbye wig, go away, bye wig. Nene. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Uh, 
correct. <laughs> miss uh, Leaks. Do you miss Kim being on the show? That's who she was saying it to. Do you miss Kim's uh, addition on the show at all? You know what? Honestly, and it's not even shade. I never really got to, and all the time I've been on the show, Kim has kind of been in and yeah. out of the mm-hmm. show. I never really got a chance to really film with Kim yeah. one-on-one. I, didn't, I don't really have a relationship with Kim. That's but, right. you yeah. know, I think, you know, when she was on the show, I mean, I think she's brought great things to the show. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the next one. Bye, Ashy. Portia Williams. <laughs> you are killing it Soon right to now. Be McKinley, yes. <laughs> Wedding, babies, engagements, oh my. I love it. Um, what has been the most surprising part of seeing Portia now as a mom? It's really been something to watch on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. She has just evolved so much. And I think, you know, when you become a mom, you know, your whole life changes, honestly, mm-hmm. because you have to worry about this other little human being now. And it's not about us anymore. It's about our children. Exactly. And uh, she's doing a fantastic job. We're, we're in such a great place in our relationship as well, which I'm really happy about. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, last one. Delete, erase, unfollow, whatever. Uh, that would be Cynthia Denise Bailey. Ah! Miss Hill, honey. Come on, Cynthia Hill, Bailey Hill. Are we I think we're going to hyphenate, yes. Hyphenate, yes, yes, yes I like that. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, I can't lose Bailey. You can't lose I, Bailey. I named everything Bailey. You did, the Bailey Agency. <laughs> Bailey, uh, Lake Bailey. Lake Bailey. Bailey Q. <laughs> My dog's name is Bailey. Uh, <laughs> Bailey, it's yeah, brand. we got to keep Bailey. we got to keep Bailey. Matter of fact, Mike may have to take my name. Uh, Mike Hill Bailey. <laughs> Mike Hill Bailey. Mike Bailey Hill. You guys can share the hype. There you go. There you go. I like that. Okay, if it happens, I'm going to be like, remember. I know. Remember I'll, give you you. <laughs> I'll give you your credit. I'll give you your credit. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, today, you're so welcome. Fun talking to you. Oh, I can't um, wait to see you tomorrow. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. I can't wait to see everybody's looks. I feel oh, yeah. like, to me, you guys uh, are going to show out. always brings it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay, anyway, watch Cynthia on The Real Housewives of Atlanta on Sunday nights on Bravo. Up next, Zach is talking to How to Get Away with Murder star Jack Haley. Here's a treat from Vodka Veli. Connor Walsh is the happily married moral center of How to Get Away with Murder. I remember when he was just eating ass to get ahead. I'm joined now by Jack Fallahy, who's been playing Connor Walsh through all the growth, that growth, um, six seasons on How to Get Away with Murder. I was trying not to laugh during it, but you were yeah, giggling. I mean, I was giggling. I mean, it's pretty funny. Isn't it great? Yeah, yeah. I, when that tweet came up, we were like choosing, putting on Friday television. Mm-hmm. Welcome to morning TV. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, that tweet really says it all. So yeah. I have to ask, what was it like to experience all of Connor's growth over the past six years? I mean, it's been wild, right? I mean, Pete and the writers have done just an incredible job of writing these nuanced, complicated characters, mm-hmm. you know, while still having this extremely crazy and entertaining show, you know? I, and I think that's difficult to do. And, and Connor, yeah, I, I'm just so sad that it's ending because I don't know how I'm going to, like, shake yeah. him off of me, but. Yeah, and what was it like filming this final season knowing it was the end? Um, we're still we're still filming. We're, we're halfway through. We have the the fall finale airing next Thursday. Yes, and then But back on, uh, this Monday, I'm back to work and filming those uh, back six episodes. So um, yeah, we're still going, but it's, it's bittersweet. Everyone's like really happy that ABC gave us the space to finish the yeah. show, which doesn't always happen. Um, but, you know, we're having a good time and mm. just trying to make the most of it. What do you think fans are going to think about this uh, season finale, or series finale, rather? It's, I mean, the fall finale is wild. Um, you know, you can imagine it's it's how to get away with murder. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 
the fall finale sort of revolves around who the informant is. Mm. Um, and I think the last six episodes are going to be chaos. Chaos? <laughs> yes, I think Is it so. good chaos? <laughs> For some people, <laughs> not for everyone. All right, so buckle in, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, during the, your time on the show, you have mm-hmm. been in an interracial relationship mm-hmm. uh, with your co-star, Conrad Ricamora, who's yeah. also an HIV-positive character. Yes. Why has that representation been so important for television? I mean, it's never happened. I, I, it's so important. And, you know, Pete, as a gay man, he grew up and he didn't see any characters on television that mm-hmm. reflected his existence. Mm-hmm. And that it's sad that that remained true for so long. And still, those characters and, and identities are wildly underrepresented on television. So to be able to play a character that, you know, has shed some light onto all of the beautiful folks mm-hmm. on this earth has been, like, the greatest treasure of the job and something I'll take with yeah. me. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it was massive when y'all came out. And also Absolutely. when you did the HIV testing episode. Yes. Where you both were, where he became positive on the show. Yeah. And that was a really hard And we saw real results in the United States of people uh, going on prep mm. and taking preventive measures. So yeah. to know that the show could actually have that real-life reach yeah. is, is incredible. And talk about something that really happened. Happens. You know, yes. murder happens, but also taking care of yourself happens yeah, too. Absolutely. Real thing. Well, something else that's real about the show, well, not real about the show, you play a gay man, but you are a straight man. Yes. And there's been a lot of interesting conversations over the past six years while you've been in this role about can straight people play gay? Mm. What are your do- thoughts on that topic today? I don't know if I would take the role today. I've, oh, wow. I've kind of been going back and forth about that and trying to learn more from friends and um, you know, when the when I auditioned for the show, I didn't know that Connor, uh, mm-hmm. at the time he was named Patrick, actually. Mm. I didn't know that Patrick was gay. It wasn't mm-hmm. explicitly said anywhere. Um, and I sort of, having my very straight perspective, mm-hmm. read the, uh, the, the pilot episode, and I was like, oh, he's hooking up with this guy, Oliver, just to get ahead. It doesn't mean he's gay. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting dialogue, and I'm not sure uh, going forward if I, if I would play a gay character again. Do you see that conversation happening a lot in Hollywood these days? Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, And I think it's an important one to have because, you know, there are so few gay roles on television like we discussed and in film. And there's an abundance of gay performers that, Mm -hmm. you know. Who want to work too. Sure. There we go. Well, you know, you work, speaking of work, you work with some incredible, incredible women, Shonda Rhimes, Viola Davis. What are some lessons you've learned from them? Asia Naomi King. (laughs) You keep going on and on and on. What are some lessons you've learned over these past six years from those women? Uh, That women run the world. Um, (laughs) Beyonce. Totally. She, I mean, look, they're all, they're all just incredible and um, have, I grew up luckily with a bunch of strong women in my life, Mm -hmm. my mother, my sister, all my aunts my grandmothers, um, and to be able to now, like, have my first big role in Hollywood be a place that is filled with strong women mm-hmm. has, I think, done wonders for me. I mean, we, uh, in, you know, especially around the Me Too movement and, and the way that Hollywood is just being shaken up right now by strong women, yeah. um, I've been blessed to be on a set where we have those conversations, and I'm seeing these women do that work. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, it's it's been a real luxury. I, I could not imagine. Yeah. You know, those women are changing everything. They are. Everything. Both are forces. Viola's been on the show, but Shonda is is really yeah. every time she gets something, I feel like everyone's like, Yes, girl. Yes. Get it. Yeah, get totally. It. So beyond acting, you are also a singer. You're in a mm. band called yeah. Diplomacy. Diplomacy. You have a yeah. new song out called Silver Lake Queen. Yeah, yeah. What did you what made you want to make uh, not make this song because that's not the question I want to ask, but what made you want to start a band? Um it's, you know, I've always had music in my life. Um, I'm in the band with Tim, who's known as Elefante professionally. Mm -hmm. um, he and I met freshman year of high school and in Michigan and, you know, somehow found both our ways to LA. And as two Michigan boys, we always had this dream of, you know, getting up on stage together, like that garage band yeah. dream. And um, it took some convincing, but after a while, he he convinced me. And he's like, "Let's do this. You know, let's put our money where our mouth is." And so we've been working on it for eighteen months or so, and we finally have our first single, a music video out everywhere. We have an EP coming out early next year. Some more music videos. We have a tour that's going to be announced My soon. God. Yeah, it's the whole thing. Busy, and you busy. seem so excited about I it. I am. I'm super amped. Yeah. I mean, it People sounds like the it. music is good, and also you get to hang out with your best friend. Exactly. It's All the dream. Day, the yeah. dream when you're not trying to hide murders. All yeah. Day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Jack, thank you so much for being here. Thanks Congratulations on the six years on the show. Y'all can watch the final season of How to Get Away with Murder Thursdays at 10 p.m. on ABC. And Jack's single, Silver Lake Queen, is out now. So stay tuned for more AM to DM. Believe it or not, we are quickly approaching the end of the decade, which means it's time to embark on the impossible task of ranking the best things created in the 2010s. This week's segment will focus on the most influential celebrity of the decade. And here with me to deliberate over this are BuzzFeed celeb writer Morgan Murrell, Page Six reporter, senior reporter Francesca Bacardi, and MTV News host Domati Ponga. Okay, so things to keep in mind as we go through this. We are looking for people who dominated the majority of the decade. Did they make history and or push the culture forward in an innovative way? We need them to have done that. And will their impact be felt for decades to come? We'll keep that in mind as we go ahead. We're going to start by naming our top three. Okay, and then we're going to debate and try to come up with a top four. And if we're feeling really ambitious, maybe a top one. Okay. Okay, so my top three are Rihanna. Okay. Beyonce. Of course. And Barack Obama. Oh, okay. okay. Come on, Barack. <laughs> <laughs> Francesca, how about you? Kim Kardashian. Okay. Rihanna. Yes. Taylor Swift. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's a bait. We'll save it. Don't see who you got. Okay, so I got Kanye West, mm -hmm. uh, Beyonce. Uh. Mm -hmm. And I had Nicki Minaj because I wanted to give her her flowers. But I didn't want all musicians, so I went with Ava DuVernay instead. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah. up. All right, okay. Yeah. Mine are, I've got Beyonce. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I've got Rihanna. Of course. Uh -huh. okay, okay. And I've got Drake. You got, I told you! you, 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 you. I told you! I told you! We Number one Billboard hit, I mean, just hits, Alone. singles, albums, yes. dominate yes. hip-hop, yes. and mainstream. 
crossing over in that way. Drake has is that person there when it mm-hmm. comes to that. As far as like mm-hmm. a, a mainstream rapper who on both ends of the decade has dominated, he's put he's given us how many albums? He, he yeah. put on a whole album of Lucy's that went number one. Yeah, he's a unicorn. Like, yeah, Lucy, like, yeah. Like, like, just Lucy. Like, he released the same songs again. Yes. 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 He's like, oh, on my leftover right. number my one. My scraps. Right, he goes scraps. Yeah. I mean, but Take Care of Nothing was the same alone. Mm-hmm. So far, I mean, So Far Gone was like right before the start of it, but he really set off the decade. And to me, like, nobody has given us the consistency and of Drake and somebody who I just think he represents the 2010s in the way that he understands internet culture. Yeah, yeah. He understands Memes. Definitely. He understands social media. I just think that he's given us a lot. And he's responsible for so many artists. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. so many artists yes. are stars because Drake gave him that co sign. Yes. yes. But, okay. So, <laughs> so, we were discussing this earlier. Uh-huh. He has been consistent. He's given us so much, mm-hmm. like we all said. But will, has he really changed a lot outside of music? Yes, he transitioned from acting to music. Mm-hmm. Never give up on, you know, Degrassi. From now, will we really be talking about him as someone who changed the course of music? I don't know. Yeah, I think what, we're just going to yes, say he's yeah. a successful artist who yeah. produced a lot of hits. He was in touch with internet culture, but who isn't now? Yeah. Right. I mean, there are people who aren't. Yeah. But yes. right. I do get your point there. I do think when it comes to hip hop specifically, Drake has made the whole, you don't have to rap the whole song to be a rapper mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. a thing in yeah, that way true. where it's like he was one of the first people who was singing right. and rapping and going number one in that way. Like Drake was giving us a full track where he didn't rap one word. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, yeah. And then while I give your boy Kanye with the... Um, 808s and heartbreaks, uh-huh. I think, led to that too. Mm. But I think Drake is the artist who was really just out here singing. Well, that's the thing. That's Ballad. why you got to take Drake off the list because Ooh. Kanye Ooh. was influenced Ooh. by Drake. Wait, wait. I mean, Drake was influenced Ooh. by Kanye. No, 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 no. Drake was influenced right. by Kanye. That is true. All right, so, so with Kanye West, all right, we listen to anything he says. For better or for worse, mm. the country pays attention to Kanye. And mm. 10 years ago, mm. one of the best albums of the decade came out thanks to Mr. West. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Okay, okay. And it had everybody who mattered in music on that album mm-hmm. during that time period. He's also uh, valued with Yeezus at uh, Yeezy, the Yeezy brand at $1.5 billion, mm-hmm. according to Forbes. Mm-hmm. He is responsible for introducing us to Virgil Abloh, who ended up making waves at Louis Vuitton, mm-hmm. where black designers weren't getting that look. Mm-hmm. Those are all branches off of the Kanye West tree. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about him wearing a MAGA hat, he also even has us coming together to tell him how wrong he is. <laughs> and people have become more eloquent in describing why Donald Trump is so uh, harmful to the yeah. black community because Kanye West gave us that dialogue. He's dead wrong, mm-hmm. but without his dialogue, <laughs> we wouldn't have had that conversation. I mean, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if we wouldn't have the conversation. We would have not had a conversation about being annoyed with Kanye. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I do think that if he would have kept up the momentum that he kept up the first half of the decade with the second, I would have been Kanye easy. That's but to true. me, I do feel like a lot of stuff Kanye has done. Recent, the past few years was not on purpose. It was mm. not really like impactful in a good way. Right. It was just, you know, I think he was just speaking his mind. But influence does Yeah, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. Influence can go both but, ways. I mean, but as far as what the other ones are doing, as far as when we're knocking people off yeah, the yeah, list, yeah, yeah. like I do think that the reason why, to me, he wouldn't be in our top 
for, perhaps, is because a lot of it is not intentional with him. Mm. A lot of it's just sporadic and him being like, oh, slavery didn't exist. And it's like, no, that's not even true. You can't spew right. lies and then be, you know, that's yes. not using yeah. your power in a smart is way. Is it not intentional or is he crafting moments that will put him in the zeitgeist? Because he always releases something around that. those moments. I want to believe he's that Wait. strategic, but as of late, I he don't know. He dates Kim Kardashian. No, okay. He is yes. Of Kim Kardashian, yep. who, where he says yep. something, it's not great, and she says, hey, Kanye, let's talk about how we can make this work. Yeah. Right. He went on TMZ and said a whole lot of things that everyone was like, this is not, not right. But then we spun it and decided it was a conversation about mental health. Mm. Let's highlight the conversation. He's bipolar. He's off his meds. When he's on his meds and he opens up about that, he says, when I'm on my meds, I feel muted. My genius, you know, is covered. I feel suffocated. Mm -hmm. But when I'm off, you know, I go off on a limb and say things that not everyone agrees with. But now we're talking about mental health and how it affects someone in their day-to-day -day yeah. life. I think that's more Kim Kardashian's influence, so, okay, which, okay, which goes Kim, into you. Yeah, so who's more, who's between, if only Kim or Kanye can make the list, because they both of them are damn wow. sure not making the list. Who is it? It's not Kim. on my watch. Who do you, I, because I would bet, Kim. this is, I might say Kim. Kim. It's, and it's like you don't and want I, I don't to, you don't want to. but you can't don't ignore her influence. I do think that she's done more to change culture than, I know, 100%. Mm. Kanye has created better culture, <laughs> like with his music and his contributions and his art. Don't okay. get me wrong. But Kim literally, this is the reason why I say Chris Jenner is a better manager than Matthew Knowles. Because she oh. took nothing and spun it into gold. Yeah. That's Everything. If you had Beyonce, I mean, yeah. she was going to become famous inevitably. Right. Yeah. But right. Kim took literally nothing and turned it into a multi-million dollar it's empire. All, yes. all of them. Kylie Jenner. Impact. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and Kim's impact on fast fashion. She basically created it. I mean, Kim wears something and boo-hoo, pretty little thing. Fashion Nova has that outfit the next day. Yeah. And even just, even just influencer. Yeah. Like that whole thing, like when that's essentially what they were when we were like, yes. what are they? Yes. And then now we have how many influencers yes. on social media? Mm -hmm. well, when we talk mm -hmm. about influence, you want to get people who touch different things, different demographics, right. mm -hmm. and you never would think that a Kim K would be on the prison reform way. Yeah, and she is. There's no Victoria yeah. Brown free. Yep. Yeah. See, so for that alone, I might lean towards. I she has a little bit in everything, but yeah. she's not been fully responsible for anything, and that's right. where it gets yes. kind of the thing. She just improves upon things that are already in place, yeah, and yeah. makes them her own. I but feel like they've shifted influence. Like Kanye went more on the negative route, where Kim is on everybody's good. Well, not everybody's good, but she She's moving toward a more positive route. Okay, I want to talk about the two who we I think we can all agree will be in our top four. Okay, Let me ask Beyonce and Rihanna. And Rihanna are we of on course. the same okay, course I, there? I have okay. a dissent. Before you, do that, before you do that, should we just knock off? Because I feel like my dear Barack is not going to make the cut. <laughs> I mean, the damn, the Barack is Barack. Barack. I, 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 I feel, feel like Was that not enough? I feel what like. What more do you want from him? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the one election twice. Right. Yes, but I just feel like after all this time, people are still talking about him. They're comparing him. People are literally missing him. I never, like, heard a president be like, oh, I miss Bill Clinton. Oh, I miss George Bush. People literally miss this man. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. He's been like a father mm -hmm. to a lot of people, and that's that's impact to me. But I don't feel like he's gonna make the cut for But I want to talk. Let's let's talk about the thing that we all agree on. Okay, Beyonce. Yes. Okay. No, Beyonce. I mean, Beyonce is not on your list, but I do want to 
we've been arguing. I want us to talk about something that at least we agree, we agree on. Agree on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So with yes. Beyonce, why do we? Why do we feel like she is obviously one of the top? for influential celebrities. There's no denying her impact. She has grown so much as an artist, like talking about bills, 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 to talking about, I want my baby heir to have baby hairs. And afros. afros. I love my Negro nose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nostrils. (sighs) In the world where everybody's getting their noses. She transformed (laughs) how an entire industry releases content. Yes. That is the That is the part. And I think... Um, Taylor Swift tried to. Didn't she mimic that with a surprise she album? Did. She did. Yes. She mimicked a lot. She mimicked a lot. Mimic lot. Mimic lot. Mimic lot. Mimic lot. Mimic lot. I don't know what it is. But that's going to be like, hold on. Wait, we get to Taylor. Before we get to Taylor, non homecoming band. We're talking about Beyonce's homecoming band, which to me was the greatest performance of the decade. Yes. Coachella, Beyonce. Oh yeah, yeah. Coachella. Like I think, I, I think that here's why I think that pushes Beyonce over the edge of <laughs> all of the other singers on this list is because she's taken her influence and also made it impactful in a way where she's highlighting the art that came beforehand. Mm-hmm. She's impacting lives. She's not being afraid to speak out against mm-hmm. police and her blackness yes. in a way that is, has. A, for a star to be that big mm-hmm. and to do that at the height of her career. Mm-hmm. Like when um, Lemonade came out and when Formation came out and at the height of her career, she sunk a police car yes. in New Orleans yes. and had the mess. That's what the point of Beyonce came in. Well, well, all the white women were like, Beyonce is black. <laughs> you know? And you can use your blackness for good, amen? You amen. are a superhero. Touch of Beyonce. I am yes. the deacon. Yes. So, like, so. Like, we have this talent undeniable. Word. She's given us many great albums. Yes. She gave us the best performance of the decade. Yes. And I think that she, like we said, has used her powers for good in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And has just been able to, despite not always having the most number one hits mm-hmm. or this or that, still be everybody's influence. Yes. Everybody loves Beyonce. Everybody. We had um, Castro on the show today. And he when he when we asked him who his most influential celebrity would be, and he said Beyonce. I mean, you <laughs> see the coolest celebs lose their cool when they're around Bobby Beyonce. Beyonce. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, Harvey Hardwick and Go- who plays yeah, Ghost on yeah, Power yeah, doing yeah, that aqua yeah. Oh my God! So Beyonce is the celebrity celebrity. So yeah, you so, yes. let's, let's let's hear right. let's hear Taylor Swift <laughs> now before okay. we wrap this. Uh, let me preface <laughs> by saying that Taylor Swift is an incredibly polarizing figure. She and is. personal feelings aside, I think I don't agree with anything that she does. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no. I cannot. I mean, love. The, I mean, the girl's music fine, but. You cannot deny her influence and power. Look back at when Apple Music first launched and they were going to do the three-month trial and she came out and said they're not paying any artists. Mm. She spoke out. She gave her evidence. And then what happens? Not only do they start paying their artists, she then, you know, gets a deal with Apple Music, which, girl, get that money. Fine. I mean, she has done so much for the industry. And now we have a lot of stuff going on with, you know, Scooter Braun's acquisition Mm and... It's a mess there. It's a he said, she said. The Swifties will, till their dying day, say that she's a victim. A lot of people, for the same reasons, will say that's the problem with Taylor Swift. She's always the victim. And, I mean, you just brought up Kanye West. I mean, that's That's a whole... Yes. I just don't think without that, that would have... Taylor's career wouldn't be what it is. A lot of people that speaks to his influence as well. And and also speaks to Beyonce's influence because he was up there to say that Beyonce had so, so do we have two? So we decided on Beyonce. Yes. Have we decided on a second person? Because I'm yeah. saying Kanye West. I, well, I think 
had me in my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adrian Lawrence added love. Uh, what's love got to do with it? Not just love. What love also, got to do with it? yes, indeed, understandable. Super so. important. See, yes. it's so funny when you hear Tina Turner's songs, you're like, oh, right. Oh, oh that. right. This that one. Iconic, Hits. legendary. So she has the range. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you to our guests, Sylvia Obel, Morgan Murrell, Tom Namico, Francesca Bacardi, Dometi, Pongo, Julian Castro, Jack Fallahi, and Cynthia Bailey. Next week, we've got Robin Givens, Daniel Kaluga, Chadwick Boseman, and Stefan James. We'll be back here at 10 a.m. on Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye.